one thing I heard even when I was listening to the podcast, right, when I was um, going through this is the big thing is just consistency, right? I mean, if you do it every single day and if you're diligent about follow-up, right, it's going to happen. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents in our industry hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That's the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Pat Hyman, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Muchastegui, and I am back for another episode of the Real Estate Rockstars podcast. Today, I get to interview Lior Rosansky. You know, Lior is from Boston, Massachusetts. You know, he's done a pre-interview with Curtis. We've been looking at all sorts of data. 26-year-old realtor out of Boston, Massachusetts. In his third year of business, you know, he runs a small team of four agents. We're going to talk about that. Last year, he personally did $12 million in volume. His team did 21 million. And a unique thing is that he also has a $9 million rental portfolio. But again, 26 years old, Lior is really, really crushing it in real estate. And I'm really excited to hear how he got here at such a young age. Lior, hey, thanks for coming. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me on here. So you've been a longtime listener of the Real Estate Rockstars podcast. So what is it about our podcast that gets you coming back, listening more? What do you like about it? Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, it's one of the podcasts I jumped into when I first got licensed. You know, it's just, there's so much different type of content on the podcast and it, it talks about all the different spokes of the business, right? From your prospecting to the follow-up, building a brand and everything in between. So, you know, I kind of treat it almost like a mini NBA, right? Yeah. Um, in real estate. And I use that to basically launch my business. Yeah, we want, yeah, we want our podcast to be like a, you know, a, a, a cheap MBA, right? It's totally free. You get to come out. We actually have some real estate courses and things like that, but just from listening to the podcast, people can learn so much about what's out there. And one of my favorite things to do is get to interview people that started their career listening to the Real Estate Rockstars podcast. I get so many people that reach out to me on social media with, you know, with questions or telling me, hey, that was a good episode and they're new in real estate. And I always reply back to them and say, hey, I can't wait to get you on the show. So today is, today is Leor's day. And if you are a new listener out there, I hope you add it to your whiteboard, add it to your goal list that you are going to get a ton of volume and come back and get interviewed on the Real Estate Rockstars podcast. So, so Leor, the, Leor's a unique name, Leor Rosansky. So where, where does your name come from? It's actually uh, Israeli. So I was, uh, I was born in Israel and uh, we moved to the States over here when I was 10 years old, nine years old, nine years old. All right. So did you move to Boston? Yep. We moved directly to Boston straight out of, from Israel. Yep. All right. So Israel here. So the, that is why you have a, a unique name. And then how did you get into real estate? Why did real estate become the thing? Yeah. So kind of going off of that, I mean, for me, it's kind of a classic immigrant story. You know, we moved over here. Parents really, really wanted me to be a doctor, (laughs) like a lot of immigrants. And so I ended up going to college, uh, did pre-med. I actually submitted my med school apps the year after I graduated when I was kind of working an in-between job and consulting. But then I kind of started very randomly reading into real, like uh, financial literacy, uh, real estate, you know, really never had any desire to do any of that, but it kind of grabbed my attention. And within a year of graduating, I bought my first multifamily. And, th- and then I, within a couple of days after closing, withdrew my med school apps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. And kind of haven't looked back since. You know, I, uh, 
I ended up partnering with my buyer's agent who sold me that multifamily, you know, cause I was all about investing, but then I, you know, I kind of had a second thought and I was like, well, you know, my agent just made a pretty good amount of money, almost as, probably more than what I made in a month. So if I could do that as well, that's not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you started, yes. you started investing and then you decided you wanted to become a real estate agent. How did you, so you were, you had, you had done your four years in college, you were applying to med school. And so then you just knew that you were looking for investment property. Did you kind of like, what, what, what made you think, Hey, I'm going to go buy this multifamily? No, you know, it's funny, the year before I bought my property, I actually had a number of buddies who were all talking about going to buy a multifamily. And I thought they were just out of their absolute mind. <laughs> and yeah. I told them that, you know, but it was for me, it was really random. I just, you know, it, it, in that in between year, I just did, you know, like everyone does, they do a little research on investing what they can do. Stocks never really appealed to me. So I picked up a book on real estate and it kind of just made sense to me and ended up kind of pulling the trigger pretty fast. For me, it was a mentality of, look, if I go broke, I'm 23 years old, what's the worst case? <laughs> so I just kind of went for it. Yeah. I hope that more 20 somethings hear that and listen to it, right? Lily, now is the time to swing for the fences because if you miss, you'll have plenty more times to change. And there, you know, and we've also had plenty of people say, Hey, it's never too late to become a real estate agent. At 50, you can become a real estate agent because you'll get to use all of those different relationships you've built throughout your life. But if you're young, you can take bigger risks, take bigger swings at the fences. And yeah, worst case is you lose and you go start something else. How did you buy, how did you come up with the money to buy the first multifamily? Uh, yeah, so for me, it was, I, you know, I was pretty diligent about saving my, um, during that year, I was working consulting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, 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 made, I had a pretty good salary, um, working very, very long hours, 70, 80 hours per week. Um, but I was able to save pretty diligently, you know, my parents uh, let me live at home, so I didn't have to pay yeah. any rent. But yeah, I ended up saving enough for a down, enough for a low down payment. So I, I took an FHA loan and uh, went to go buy my first three family. That is super, super cool, man. So then you saw the closing statement. You saw that your real estate agent, you know, made more money than you made in a month and, and you, and you felt like you had, you know, done some of that. So then you became a real estate agent and then did you, uh, what company do you work for now and what company did you start working for? Yeah. So my, my buyer's agent, um, he was, um, he was a newer agent, but he was pretty rooted into the investor world as well. You know, he was networking with a lot of investors and larger developers um, he actually worked for a small brokerage, uh, which was very multifamily heavy. Um, okay. So that's where I went is I, and that's where I ended up hanging my license. You know, and even though we don't work at that company anymore, the owner of that company today is actually our business partner in our investment portfolio. Um, so a great relationship from there. Um, but yeah, you know, we worked there and eventually we kind of got recruited to some larger firms um, based on our numbers. So, and today we're at, with Compass. Yeah. So the, are you still partnered with the same agent you hired at the beginning? Yep. So he's still my partner. Um, we're basically 50, 50 on the brokerage side as well as the investment side. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Muchastegui. Hey, I hate to interrupt the current podcast that you're listening to, but I am so excited to share this with you. I just finished interviewing the original host of this podcast, my good friend, Pat Hyben. You know, I got to talk to Pat about how he started his real estate career and a whole bunch of tips and tactics that he used to be successful. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go check out State of the Market number 49. On there, I get to talk to Pat about all those different things. You know, and in there too, he talked a lot about his six steps for seven figures book and training program that he built over the last couple of years. And I realized I haven't done a good enough job of reminding all of you lately about all of the resources that we've built for you out there. 
So if you want to check out Pat's course, we've got like a three-minute summary video when you go to it. It includes so many easy-to-follow tips that you can follow on it like a day-to-day -day basis. You can email reminders, all sorts of different things that come with that course. You find that, you go to rebusuniversity.com, R-E-B-U-S, rebusuniversity.com. Look at courses. You can find the Six Steps for Seven Figures book. And really, there's a whole bunch of other courses in there, too. Our normal prices used to be $1,500 or $2,000 a course. These are real deal professional courses. But now, uh, during quarantine, a lot of them are priced down to like $90, bucks, 95 bucks. So we've slashed the prices because we know right now is the time for everybody to be focusing on growth and education, especially while they're feeling like they don't have as much to do. And if you go in there and you figure, like, like there's a lot of different courses you want, Maybe you don't want to buy the a la carte. You go to futureofrealestatetraining.com and you can get access to all of our different courses for 97 bucks a month. I think there's a discount on there if you go a year or there's even like a lifetime option that you can pay to get access to every course we've ever put on Rebus University for as long as we have it. So go check out those options, Rebus University or futureofrealestatetraining.com. All right, back to your podcast. Sorry for the interruption. Your website says Taylor and Lior. So the, I'm guessing that's Taylor then. It's Taylor. <laughs> how cool, man. So the, he was your agent. You said, let's partner. You start building a team. And then how did you get to, so you get 12 million in volume yourself last year. What's your average price? How many transactions is that? You know, the, let's tell, tell us about those deals. Yeah. So I, and I have those notes with me here. So it was about 32 homes ish last okay. year. You know, our average price point, it's, Average is a little bit of a bad word because in Boston, you know, there's a huge, huge range. Um, you know, we did, we've done deals as low as 300 and our biggest one to date is a $5 million deal we have under contract. So average isn't a great one, but I'd say on, you know, our median maybe, uh, the medium load would probably be somewhere around half a million to um, 600,000. That's kind of our bread and butter here. All right. So you do, you do a lot of deals between five and 600,000. You've done them as small as two or 300 and, and as high as 5 million. That is a, that's a, a big variation. So what did you, how many deals did you do your first year in real estate? First year was definitely a little slower. I mean, our first year we did uh, about 13 and a half million, you know, between the two of us. So, you know, it was probably around uh, 10 transactions each or something. You know, that first year was definitely a little tougher when we were really trying to figure out how to, you know, what our core competencies were, how we we're going to grow the business, et cetera. But we still ended up, you know, we still ended up putting uh, pretty good numbers up, I think. Yeah. So how did you get, how did you do those deals the first year? Where did you, did you get them from friends and family? Do you, you know, how did you, how did you get those? Were they mostly listings, mostly buyers, agents, leads? Yeah. So we actually, um, since being an investor, I really leveraged that. And our, one of our biggest, our two biggest spokes of business is prospecting, right? Which is the expired and the FISBOs, as well as working with investors. And what I really thought when I bought my property, you know, for me, it was actually kind of like a gold stamp that I could kind of tell everyone like, look, I've got a property, I'm an investor. And, you know, it's kind of a fake it till you make it kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so I would tell them, you know, I would tell people all about my experience and what one of our main spokes of business ended up being uh, the, the blog Bigger Pockets. You know, so that's how we ended up connecting with a lot of retail investors, a lot of younger people like myself, right, that were trying to break into their first deal, you know, and I would just give them my advice, right, give them my experiences based on what I knew. And I ended up building those relationships over bigger pockets by providing value. And eventually they, you know, they became a really big source of business for us. 
That's crazy. And that's, and that's a forum. So the, we have had, you know, Brandon and David who are the, you know, the hosts of the bigger pockets podcast. We've had them on here a couple of times. I'm great friends with them. We're, we're in go abundance together. We've gone and we and played in Hawaii and in Texas and all sorts of places. And the, and bigger pockets is actually releasing a, a new book of ours that we wrote uh, in, in probably like two or three months. So I love what they do over there in their forums. And I've heard of that before you just, people get on there, they post questions. You can, so, so really, you know, agents listen to this, right? So the, if you're looking on how to go find deals, we were first said, Hey, I'm going to go provide value, but you went onto the bigger pockets forum and you would go find people in your area in Boston that were looking at investments or just anywhere looking for investments. How did you develop relationships on there that turned into deals? Yeah, that's a great question. No, I mean, I, I, I was pretty focused. So, you know, I, you can set up keyword alerts and that way you'll be notified every time a new forum post goes up. But I basically set a post for anything that was related to Boston, investing, multifamily. The other thing I did is I literally had a standing reminder on my calendar every single day, just go into the forum, see what's new. And again, you just, you provide value, right? Um, you know, I was specific about the types of forums I, I, I went after. So if there was like a wholesaling one, I wouldn't really give my two cents there because that's, you know, that wasn't really my gist. But every time someone asked like, hey, I'm thinking of buying my first multifamily or thinking about buying my first condo investment. Where should I buy? How should I do it? What kind of financing? That's kind of when I would sprinkle in my value and just, you know, give, give as much as I can, give as much detail. And what's crazy is people see that and eventually they just will start reaching out to you. So they see you on there, they, they follow some of your questions and they, then they react, reach out and they say, Hey, Leor, I'm trying to buy a multifamily in Boston. Do you want to help me? It, it's crazy, but that's how it happened. Yeah, it's fantastic, man. That yeah. is that is great. You know, a lot of people are using. We've talked a lot lately about social media and going out there, and but we have not. But nobody in the last two months has brought up, you know, using Bigger Pockets forums or other forums out there. Did you use any other forum type sites out you know, to go answer questions for people? No, I mean Bigger Pockets is definitely the most well known one, especially in kind of your more newbie investor community, right? I yeah. mean, that's where a lot of newer investors go to find their knowledge. So that was, that was honestly the only, really the only forum I focused on. Yeah. So yeah, they, they focus on investors. We focus on real estate agents and, and we try to help real estate agents become investors over here at Real Estate Rockstar. So let's, let's back up to like the world we're living in right now. You know, what is Boston like? So every city, every state is different. So I, I live in, in California part of the time, in Austin, Texas part of the time. Very different responses, you know, you know, right now, you know, Texas was kind of released from shelter in place quarantine a couple weeks ago, maybe even a month ago, people started going back out to restaurants. Just this week, they started making masks mandatory again in a lot of big cities. What is happening out in Boston when it comes to quarantine and COVID and things like that? Yeah, I mean, in terms of quarantine, um, we just uh, started phase two a couple of weeks ago. Um, where we have uh, restaurants uh, that can see people outside. Actually, today is the first day we can go into the inside of restaurants. Okay. Uh, you know, so it's, it, we're definitely progressing, I'd say. Um, yeah. But honestly, it really feels like, a, I mean, I think a lot of people just had enough. <laughs> and a lot, there's a lot of people outside, a lot of people walking around now. So, you know, I think there's definitely that hunger to get back to normal ar- around the area here. And, uh, you know, in terms of the actual real estate market, you know, for us, it was maybe the, that first month in March, I think it was a little bit of a shell shock here. And there was a lot of people that kind of hit the pause button just to, because they had no idea what just happened. Um, but honestly, since probably even April, 
the market's just been on fire here. Like in a lot of places that the, you know, the inventory is just so low right now and the demand, you know, Boston's obviously one of the biggest cities around. It's super economically diverse. So there's just a ton of demand here. Um, you know, so that demand is currently, you know, overshadowing the supply and, uh, you know, we're, which is causing an insane market right here. Yeah. Did you go to school in Boston? I did. Yeah, actually, I, I went to uh, Brandeis University. There's a small, small school right outside. Yeah, I mean, Boston has all sorts of universities, right? They got, they've got small ones. They've got large ones. The, uh, uh, it is, a, is quite a place when it comes to your school options that are there. So how about, you know, we've had a few people on lately that really talked about all of the, the huge changes that are happening around the country right now with race as well. Right. So the, you know, they've had a, a lot of rioting and marches in Sacramento, California, you know, where I'm from. And then also in Austin, Texas, we've seen businesses making big changes, you know, for that. And uh, I think Compass was one of the companies that, that recommended, you know, people going with more black owned businesses and things like that. What have you seen in Michigan in regards to that? You know, because the Boston is a big city. So the has, have there been, uh, you know, has, has there been a lot of peaceful protesting, things like that? Is that affecting anything in, in real estate out there? I mean, in terms of the general outsense, I mean, it's certainly very present here. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we, we had a few nights at the very beginning that, you know, and kind of took a little bit of a turn from uh, peaceful. But for the most part, it's been, you know, it's obviously been very loud. There's been a lot of demonstrations, um, you know, for good reasons. You know, there's, yeah, the Compass definitely did make that shift uh, when they announced that. You know, in, in terms of the actual real estate market, you know, I think real estate is a little different because it doesn't, it's, it's hard to kind of, it doesn't really fall into that. Um, you know, for us personally, I mean, we've worked with all types of uh, vendors that are all, you know, I mean, the, that are owned by all different types of people. One of my photographers, um, you know, that we work with is, is a black owned business, you know, but uh, it's, it's just, it's all, it's definitely forefront of mind right now, right? I mean, everyone's, paying attention to it, trying to do what they can to contribute. Yeah. Well, the, I'm glad you guys are, are getting closer to business as, as usual when it comes to, you know, kind of real estate and continuing to try to go. I mean, a lot of what, you know, one of the guys that we interviewed just a couple of weeks ago, said it's really important to acknowledge what's going on with, with quarantine, with COVID, with race, like, you know, acknowledge it, be there, you know, make sure that the, that your voice is heard, but also that businesses need to need to do business. We need to work hard to start getting things back to normal. And so Boston has had a kind of a huge real estate market, you said. And so the, you know, do you think, um, so what, what's next for Boston real estate? Do you have any predictions about, you know, do you think that your market is going to continue to sustain because the demand is so low? Have you heard about, you know, shortages if people aren't going back to school uh, in the fall? Is that going to affect economics? Any predictions for long-term housing market stuff out there? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a very big believer in Boston. My, my whole rental portfolio is based very close to the city. Um, I, you know, in terms of the short term, I, I mean, they've been a, plenty of announcements of schools saying that they're going to open doors back for September. I mean, that can obviously change. Um, but there's been some major universities called that out. Northeastern, um, which is a massive school, Boston University announced that. There's a few other schools that are still waiting. But I think overall, the sentiment here is it's definitely on the upswing. You know, and in terms of the in terms of the overall outlook, I mean. Like I said, I'm a, I think for the long-term value, I think there's so much potential. Um, you know, like you talked about, right? I mean, Boston's incredibly diverse. We have, hosp- 
We have the uh, hospitals, we have biotech, we have pharma, f- finance, sc- schools, right? I mean, we're just so diverse that for me, I think any, any day that I'm not buying property here, I'm, I'm losing out on future money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Rockstar Nation, this is Andy Muchastegui. Hey, I hate to interrupt the current podcast that you're listening to, but I am so excited to share this with you. I just finished interviewing the original host of this podcast, my good friend, Pat Hyben. Yeah, I got to talk to Pat about how he started his real estate career and a whole bunch of tips and tactics that he used to be successful. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go check out State of the Market number 49. On there, I get to talk to Pat about all those different things. You know, and in there too, he talked a lot about his six steps for seven figures book and training program that he built over the last couple of years. And I realized I haven't done a good enough job of reminding all of you lately about all of the resources that we've built for you out there. So if you want to check out Pat's course, we've got like a three minute summary video when you go to it. It includes so many easy to follow tips that you can follow on it like a day to day basis. You can email reminders, all sorts of different things that come with that course. You find that you go to rebusuniversity.com, R-E-B-U-S, rebusuniversity.com. Look at courses. You can find the six steps for seven figures book. And really there's a whole bunch of other courses in there too. Our normal prices used to be $1,500 or $2,000 a course. These are real deal professional courses. But now uh, during quarantine, a lot of them are priced down to like 90 bucks, 95 bucks. So we've slashed the prices so we know right now is the time for everybody to be focusing on growth and education, especially while they're feeling like they don't have as much to do. And if you go in there and you figure like there's a lot of different courses you want, Maybe you don't want to buy the a la carte. You can go to futureofrealestatetraining.com and you can get access to all of our different courses for 97 bucks a month. I think there's a discount on there if you go a year or there's even like a lifetime option that you can pay to get access to every course we've ever put on Rebus University for as long as we have it. So go check out those options, Rebus University or futureofrealestatetraining.com. All right, back to your podcast. Sorry for the interruption. So the well that is, that's that's great news. So how many deals do you have in escrow right now? Uh, right now, let's see. We've cut probably about five deals in escrow. Okay. Yeah. Buyers or sellers, or are they deals you're buying as an investor? Uh no, these are just our brokerage uh, brokerage escrows, and uh, we're pretty fifty fifty. I mean, um, I'm definitely a little bit more uh, personally heavy on the listing side. Uh, my business partner Taylor is definitely a little bit more heavy on the on the buyer side. Yeah. So what would you tell new agents right now? If you're going to give them advice about how to go kind of crush the market? I mean, you've, you've built your business very quickly. You know, the revenue uh, volume that you're doing is really quickly, especially for being, you know, 26 years old, three years in the business, you know, 12 million and 21 million uh, over the last 12 months. The what's what advice would you give somebody to go build their business as quick as they can? Yeah, I I think the two big things is figure out your spokes of business, right? I mean, it kind of took me a little bit of time to really define that. Um, but once I was able to define like, Hey, these are the things that I'm absolutely committed to doing. That's when you can get super focused and attack it. Right. So when I started out, kind of, like I said, for me, it was working with the retail investors, which was, uh, for me through, through bigger pockets. The other big scope, uh, the other big scope for me was, uh, prospecting, right? So I was very prospecting heavy. Um, I was doing probably anywhere from two to four hours of calls every single day, um, hitting expireds, FISBOs. Uh, circle of prospecting. I mean, literally whatever I could get my hands on. Um, the attitude I took is if I didn't have anything to do, I would just call, right? And, you know, it's it's definitely grinding work and it can be grueling. But when you don't really have a database, when you don't have a brand, um, I think that's probably one of the faster ways to develop some sort of book of business. 
and then once you get one or two of these, then eventually you'll be able to learn more, right? I mean, once, once we did a lot of retail investors, then we started working a lot with professional investors and developers. So that developed into another scope of business. Um, you know, then we also started going towards the branding side um, and doing a lot of social media, but you don't need to figure all of that today, right? Today, just figure out one or two things that you can absolutely do every single day. And that should be, and, and that will be enough to get you going. All right. So the, so you kind of had your list of stuff that you were going to, of like people you were going to call and you just had it ready. And so anytime during any of the days when all of a sudden you had an hour or two, you just say, all right, I'm going to do, I'm going to spend the next hour hitting this list. And you just kind of had your running list. How did you keep track of those, of that list? Yeah. I mean, I recently bought Red X probably within the last year. Uh, I didn't really know about it beforehand, which was probably a mistake. Um, so I was doing all of this by hand. Okay. I would literally just track it on Excel. I mean, really not a fancy system. I would just, every morning I'd download the new expireds. Uh, I'd have some, you know, phone lookup software, uh, spend an hour in the morning looking up phone numbers, and then the rest of the day just calling through expireds, calling through the FISBOs, um, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there is lots of fancy software, but I also like the point of you don't necessarily need that right? You go into your MLS, all of you agents have access to MLS, you want to download something. So they would down, you, you would download the expireds. A lot of people have talked about the, the expired leads, the ones that didn't sell, you know, the ones that have canceled, things like that. You put that in a spreadsheet every day and you figure out how to call those people and, the, and you would just say, hey, I'm, I'm Lior and, I, and you want another shot at this? That's basically it. I mean, I really did not have a fancy system. The one, the one thing I heard even when I was listening to the podcast, right, when I was um, going through this is the big thing is just consistency, right? I mean, if you do it every single day, and if you're diligent about follow up, right, you're, it's gonna happen. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I had sellers, you know, when I called them up for like the sixth time, like six months later, be like, Oh, wow, you're still calling me. All right, let's meet. <laughs> you know, it's just that conversation happens so many times. Um, or they would tell me, something like, Oh, wow, you call me a third time, man, I really like your energy. Like, let's get it going, right? It's just, if you just keep hitting it, I mean, you don't even need to be good at it, right? It's just, it's the, the persistence and the volume will get you there. I love that point. So the, so you would, so you would just continue. So what, it wasn't necessarily about how good the lead was or how quick you called them the first time. It was about the fact that you would call them two or three or six times, you know, you would just keep calling them. So some people say, Hey, you have to be first, download it and be first. Uh, you know, and, and the, and really for you, it was like, no, you just have to be consistent. You keep going. Cause they're not going to choose anybody for six months anyway. And so even if you're the 10th guy to call the day, the listing cancels six months later, you're the only one still calling you get the deal. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can only think of maybe one time where I called them the first day and I got an appointment that day in the listing that day that happened once and it wasn't even a good listing. (laughs) You know, other than that, I think every other single lead is minimum multiple contacts, at least five, usually probably on average 10 to 15, you know, average, it would probably take a few months before they're ready to open up. And it's, you got to play that game. I mean, if you're going to go for the gold every day, that's a tough game to play, I think. Yeah. So new agents, listen to that part right there, right? So you could be two months in and so frustrated because you've called a hundred people a day for like two months and, and you haven't got that appointment. You haven't got that deal yet, but that's totally normal. Like that is what's, what's more abnormal is actually if, if on those first calls you succeed. And so the, you know, that follow-up is where you get it in the, and really the reason you get the deal five, six months down the line is because you did the five, six months of work to get there. But then eventually 
everybody that you have in the hopper, you know, six months from now, you've got thousands and thousands of people that you've been calling for six months. So your odds just start to go up. We've, I've heard a lot about people having really slow growth and then just huge growth when it takes off when, when some of that, some of those plans uh, continue to go. So the, so you do a lot of listings, your partner does a lot of, a, a lot of the buy sides. So the, how do, how do you guys get, how do, how do you get new leads on the buy side? Uh, buy side to this day, I will say we, we still get a fair amount from bigger pockets. You know, we are not quite as heavy into the forums as we were a few years ago. I just, I don't have the uh, bandwidth for that today, unfortunately. But one thing that Taylor's been, ama- my business partner has been amazing at doing is he's incredible at generating client referrals. Um, you know, I mean, when he gets a buyer lead, he absolutely treats the clients like just like gold, right? I mean, and, and we and I do as well. I mean, that, that that is really kind of like our, you know, it sounds basic, but that's our philosophy. You know, we we really bend over backwards. We'll we'll kind of deal with a lot of stuff. Maybe other agents won't necessarily want to deal with, but you know, we'll provide absolutely gold client service. And uh, you know, he's actually been blowing it up on the referral side within the last year or two as well. Yeah. So the, we do a questionnaire before you get on the show. It says, if you were on stage, what would the name of your panel be? And what item are you putting into our investor toolbox? And they're kind of the same thing. So it says, you know, when it said, what would your panel be? It'd be how to blow up your business working with investors and developers from day one. And the item that you're giving us to put into our investor toolbox in the, and I'm sure you know, we're midway through this podcast. You guys have probably heard the ad of me coming on and reminding you now, go to the toolbox, go download it. We get these free stuff for you guys and they truly are free, but your guide is the ultimate guide on working with investors and developers. So tell me about that. Tell me what they're going to find if, if they go download that. Yeah. And, and like I said, I mean, that's kind of the, bit of the scope of the business that kind of developed as we started working with a lot of bigger pockets clients. Um, eventually what I realized is what I was, as I was building broker relationships with people, with agents around me, um, you know, cause I was still looking to purchase property as well. Right. And one thing I kind of, that really clicked into me probably after, right after year one was I was getting all these leads from uh, mainly brokers, really, if I had to be honest. I mean, obviously, I, you know, sometimes from my own calling or sometimes from our own direct mail or something like that. But we were getting so many leads for like really good investment deals that maybe didn't fit my uh, criteria or maybe I just didn't have the capabilities of pulling something like that off. And what we really started doing is building a really large network of professional investors and professional developers. And, you know, what I mean by professional investors, it's not kind of like, you're a person that maybe will buy one house a year or two houses a year. I mean, this is what these guys do for a living, right? I mean, these guys will crush out five, 10, 15 houses a month, um, yeah. or they'll go develop mega, mega projects. You know, so we really, really started focusing on that. Um, again, being in the investment world, we kind of spoke their language. We understood what they were looking for. You know, we knew how to run their numbers. Uh, we knew how they would look at the numbers and how to run the numbers for them. You know, so we really started prioritizing that. And I'd say that was probably a good, a massive spike in our business, maybe 30%, uh, because we were just generating, we were basically just cashing leads that would cross our desks otherwise that we wouldn't really do anything with. Yeah. So the, so you just said a few of those things, right? So you spoke the investor language, so it, it made a lot of sense, but is there anything else, any other tricks or things that you would do or extra data, extra value you would provide to get, I mean, those guys are doing 10 or 15 deals a month. They have agents, right? They have people that they've worked with in the past. How do you convince them to switch to you? What's the extra stuff that you guys would be bringing? Well, let me make this clear, right? So a lot of the, I mean, it could be different other parts of the country here. A lot of professional investors 
don't necessarily work exclusively with an agent, right? So right. it's not like I actually went to their office and pitched them on being their agent, right? So the way, the way I was actually able to win the business and the commission for each sale is it's by deal basis, right? So you provide here, you really provide value by finding a good deal, right? Because the finance, everyone's got really good financing as everyone can pull off and execute. Um, but it's really just about finding the right, the right deal with the right numbers. So, you know, what I, what, when I, when I said that I started connecting with brokers, what the kind of text I would receive a lot of times is like, Hey, Lior, um, you know, I know this seller that's looking to sell this multifamily. They don't want to put it on the MLS. Uh, but if you know someone that would be interested off market, why don't you bring them in, right? And I can look at the deal within two minutes, know if it's junker or, or maybe there's something there, you know, I, and then I know exactly who, who likes that sort of deal, who likes that sort of area, bring it to them and I can represent them as the buyer. Yeah. Okay. So the, it's, it's a lot of it's about hustling. You know, we had a, we've had a couple people on lately that have said, uh, well, one two guys in particular I interviewed maybe two weeks ago and they talked about to get investors that really started with the deal. They'd find the deal first and then they'd be able to go to people and say, Hey, I've got this deal for you. Do you want it? And the, and that was the way that they were able to, to con- convince them the, so what's the, what's the most difficult part of your business right now? When you think about like, like how everything's going, right? So, you know, you you get deals right now, you guys have a consistent workflow as, as you grow, but what's that one thing you're like, man, I wish this was different real estate. I mean, the one thing that we're really putting a lot of attention on right now, and that's kind of my main focus, especially this year, is really um, on our brand side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because like you said, a lot of these sources of business for us are very hustle based. Um, yeah. You know, and it's and what stinks is if you take a day off, your business essentially takes a day off for you, right? Yeah. Um, and it actually, for me, I mean, even this past half a year, I'd say, you know, I've been it was the, my third year in the business, and I kind of I started feeling a little bit of that, like, Jesus, you know, like it's, it's, it's a constant, right? It's a constant workflow and it can get overwhelming. I mean, it, it's an intense business, um, you know, between the brokerage and the investing, they're all hustle muscle. So one of the big things I'm really focusing right now is how do we build an inbound lead machine, right? Um, you know, and not necessarily like uh, something that we have to pay for, like Facebook ads or internet leads, that kind of thing, but really just like, how do we, how do we become top of mind? throughout. And uh, for us, it's been two ma- major um, components. It's been through YouTube, which I know you've had a lot of people recently come yeah. on that have talked about YouTube and have been following a lot of those guys, actually. So it's been YouTube. And the other thing for us has been our Facebook groups. You know, so we built out, we're starting to build out an investor focused uh, Facebook group. And we have a larger community Facebook group um, that's got now about 2000 members, you know, that we're again, it's just a branding game, getting our name out there, having people be fans of us so that we don't have to chase business every single day. Yeah. So that Facebook group is just, uh, is it just your brand? Is it how to buy houses in Boston? Is it, you know, what's, what's the theme around your Facebook group? Yeah. So it's actually, it's a community based group, right? So that it's nothing like how to buy a home or something like that. I mean, it's for me, my Facebook group is called Boston North Living. And I'd say probably 90 to 95% of my content is non-real estate on there. Um, You know, it's just a lot of community updates, activities. I do tons of videos where like, you know, if I'll go get a coffee, I'll like do a quick 30, 30 second spotlight on the coffee shop. What we started doing recently, I'm really excited for is actually I'm creating like programming on the, on the group. So, you know, I invited like yoga teachers, fitness professionals to like live stream classes on there. And again, the whole point of it is just 
attract so much attention for that platform. You know, because the way actually I view it is, I think it's even beyond real estate, right? For me, I think if we can grow this out and really create a brand, it won't only generate real estate leads for us, but it'll just generate fans. And that I think will lead to opportunities like opening ancillary businesses up, right? Um, You know, because if someone likes you, you can sell them a house, but you can also sell them insurance, a loan, um, contracting services. I mean, you name it, right? Yeah. Those organic leads too are, are pretty great. You know, you get to create some content that becomes evergreen. Like, so there's a video that you make now that two years from now gets you a deal or five years from now, you know, and if I was going to just jump uh, on your bandwagon for a second and try to provide extra kind of value with that, if you, if listeners, if you go back and listen to some of our podcasts over the last six months or year, we've had several people come on and talk about Instagram, several people come on about how to, how to build, you know, their Facebook and their social media, Uh, two different interviews lately of people, how to go build YouTube and one thing about how to succeed when it comes to building your brand that Leor talked about earlier on on how to get those deals is that consistency, right? So the, the other side of that too is if it takes you six months to get that agent to be able to, you know, or to get that seller to say, hey, so you, can, you can come list my house or you can list my property. It's the same thing with social media. If you're going to show up every day or every week, if you're going to do YouTube and you're going to do videos, you got to do it every week or every, whatever your timeline is, but be consistent. That same day, every week for six months before you start seeing the progress. You know, social media, it's the same thing. My wife's social media for five hour school week, it was, you know, she posts something every day and puts it on there. And all of a sudden she just started blowing up. It went from a little bit to, to thousands of new people coming on and commenting all the time, but it takes that consistency. And I think the other thing you're doing with that local community Facebook group is something that any of you agents out there can do. As long as you're willing to be consistent and do it, you get to start a page for that neighborhood, for that network. If, if, if it's your niche, if it's a certain gated community that you like, I mean, the, we ju- we've just moved into a couple different, different neighborhoods, but each of my neighborhoods has its own like Facebook community right? Where like homeowners in, the, in that neighborhood are part of that one. Uh, and there's some bigger things too. So finding a Facebook group that you're not just talking about real estate, but it's providing value. Leo talked about providing value and then also showing up and being consistent. But yeah, we have a ton of stuff, you know, inside, uh, you know, some previous uh, podcasts from that, from people just trying to grow and be consistent because real estate really is that like well-rounded thing, right? You have to spend so much time trying to get new deals, and so when you're doing that, you have less time to work on the branding, but the, but when you're calling expireds, it's like, that's only going to get you one thing. If you get to work on your evergreen long-term stuff, that's going to get you more deals over time, but doesn't pay the bills for six months. The, how are you going to balance that time right now? So when you start your day, are you like, Hey, I'm doing two hours a day on my branding and I'm going go to go to two hours on this. Or are you, what are you, what's your balance? Yeah. I mean, everything you just said, I couldn't agree with more because I, I noticed it in my own business, right? I mean, we started... Uh, putting a number of deals together from YouTube. And, you know, when I first opened the channel, I didn't really get that much. Um, But once I committed to doing two to three videos a week, um, now for almost five, six months, um, now I'm, I mean, this past weekend, I got three inquiries off of YouTube, um, which is crazy. I mean, I love it, right? I I even took- How long have you been doing YouTube? It's probably been about six months now. um, And four months where I really have been going steadily at it you know, putting out two to three videos a week. Um, yeah. So now we're, now we're really getting. So four uh, months, two to three videos a week and that you're recording and then all, but then now this week you got three people that are turning into a prospect that may or, you know, that may or may not become a client. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, it's incredible. The people that will reach out to you. I had someone uh, reach out to me from Saudi Arabia. 
uh, who was looking to buy an investment property. I had someone reach out from Mexico City uh, looking to buy, you know, so I, I've had people, not only Boston, not only people moving to Boston for like half an hour away, but literally people from all over the world are reaching out, which is crazy. It is a fascinating world that we're living in right now. Yeah, It is. Yeah. And my kids just watch, they don't even watch TV shows anymore. They watch everything through YouTube. And my daughter's talking to one of her friends and she's like, Hey, did you see this on Jimmy Fallon and this on this? And I had no idea they even watched those shows, but they're like, no, we watch the clips on YouTube because every show now has 10 minute best of right. Or the most popular or the viral stuff. And it's uh, the way that people consume now is, is so different that like running a TV ad, I think that's got to be the most pointless thing now. Like TV commercials are probably so obsolete compared to the life that we live now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's the same thing with the Facebook group too. I mean, the Facebook group, I think I've probably struggled with more. I mean, I've been going with that for a year now. Um, you know, it took a really long time for me to really figure out how to run it and what kind of content people really like to interact with. Uh, but now we're finally starting to see leads come through as well. You know, we're, uh, I actually got a, a really hot buyer lead that I was working with from this weekend, you know, and, and I'm only a 2000. I know, I know a couple of brokers across the country that have groups of like, 10, 20, 30,000 members, you know, and they're absolutely crushing it. So that's definitely where I'm trying to uh, kind of take that as well. And then in terms of your original question where you asked, like, how do you balance it? I think that's huge. You have to, it's kind of like with expired, right? You have to allocate time for it every single day. So for me, you know, I'll probably spend at least an hour or two between all the different social platforms, everything we've got going on two to three times a week, you know, I'll budget in an extra hour or two for video editing. Um, hopefully one day I can outsource that, but I'm not quite there yet. You know, so, but yeah, it's, it's really just comes down to allocation. I've got a couple of hours for social. You, I still got to, I still put at least one or two hours of follow-ups every single day where I hop on the phone. Um, and then the rest of the time is either spent on investment, showing clients, showing listings, whatever it is. Yeah, Leo, you have, you have an awesome story, man. Like moving you know, to, to the U.S. when you're 10, you know, 16 years ago, you, you went to college, you were, you know, your parents wanted you to be a doctor and then you decided along the way that real estate was your thing and you have just been off to the races uh, since you got started and, you know, it's, it's very impressive to see how many deals you've done, you know, that you've built up so much of your real estate portfolio and that you guys are getting to change different things. Any last pieces of advice that the, we haven't talked about that you think our listeners just need to know? Yeah, I mean, I'd say two things. I'd say, I, I know we harped this all show long, but, uh, you know, I get DMs all the time and questions about this and it's what we talked about. It's what can you commit to to do consistently, right? There's, there is no one strategy that's going to blow it up to you. I've tried a lot of stuff. I spent a yeah. lot of money on a lot of leads. And at the end of the day, it's choosing about, it's really just choosing that one or two or maybe top three channels that you will commit to that you can learn all about that you can go all in on um, and everything else I would just honestly I would just ignore I mean it's not it's not going to help you in your business it's just going to be a distraction another shiny object you know so definitely choose that and then my other piece of advice since I just went through this is for that person that's kind of in year two three four right that's kind of really grinding the deals out I mean you know, it's all like, you know, it's kind of like all that hustle muscle, you know, I, I do think it's a, it is a little bit of a dangerous game to play. I mean, you know, it, like I said, I, I kind of went through a little phase where it was just, it, you know, it, it kind of took over you, right? It's, it's a business that 
it's great, but it can certainly take over your life very quickly. Um, so just figure out a way not only to generate inbound leads somehow, and usually people do that through branding, but also take some time for yourself. I mean, it, it's a hard, it's a simple, it sounds like a very simple lesson, but trust me, it can save you a lot of pain. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree, man. So the, so if people want to reach out to you, Lee, or the, what is the best way for them to reach out to you to, to give you some referrals in Boston or get some advice on how to uh, attack their brand? Yeah, uh, I'm all over social. So if you guys look me up, I'm Leo Rosansky on Instagram, Leo Rosansky RE. I'm Leo Rosansky on YouTube. My, you can go to my personal website, leorosansky.com, where I kind of have uh, links to my broker side, my investment side. Uh, we have a new kind of like multifamily education outreach there too. So um, that's kind of my main little hub. Um, or you can go to taylorandleor.com. Uh, that's also our broker trial website as well. Yeah, Leor is spelled L-I-O-R. And no matter where you guys are getting this from, if you're out on our on our website or on YouTube, you'll see the link to his name below. It is a it is a tough one. It's like a muchastegi. So the I won't be able to even if I'm looking at it, I might spell it wrong. But the you guys can see it there in the show notes. We'll have some of those links and stuff for you. You'll be able to get his item in our investor toolbox, so you guys can go learn more as well. And I'm sure I'll tag him on my social media. You know, as this one comes out. So come find us both on social media. Talk to us. And the Lior, thanks for joining me today. I think that our, uh, our rock stars are going to be excited uh, about this one. Hey, appreciate you having me on here. All right. Bye now. Rockstar Nation. Thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful please i need you to pull out your pointing finger yes the one finger that points at people and hit subscribe yes subscribe the more subscribers we get the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like robert kiyosaki barbara corcoran all the players that are on the million dollar listing in the different cities all that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get, so please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show, and we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.